I just wanted us to say a quick word of prayer for for the world and all that is happening, um, the hot side going And I just wanted us to just share a quick word of prayer to, um, to basically bless the world. So it's just be a minute. In Jesus' name, um, our Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love towards us. We thank you because um, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for all that you've been to us and all you continue to be to us, especially in times like this. Father, we look to you because we know that in a world where there's pain, in a world where there's confusion, in a world where there's hurt, Father, we thank you because we know that we can always come to you and find the answers that we need in Jesus' name. We can always come to you and find clarity. We can always come to you and find succor. And so, Lord, we ask, oh God, that you cause our eyes to be lifted up to see you, God, cause our hearts to be lifted up to you, God. We ask for peace in the world. We ask for healing in the world. People are hurt. We ask you, God, that you heal the world, you heal the land, and you cause your name to be glorified. We worship you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name of God. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Good to have you here. Welcome, Zamusu. Thank you. Welcome, Shionha. It's good to have everybody here. Good evening, Mr. Zafalabi. Um, I think there's a bit of... I think there's a bit of noise. I'm not sure where that's coming from, but okay. it's fine. So um, I just wanted to say before we start, if you are um, if you are on here, invite somebody else. We have gifts for people um, that invite people at the end of this program. So invite someone else. All you have to do is um, reach out to your WhatsApp. You can do a screenshot of the session or just use the the arrow you can see the triangle arrow thing and send it to somebody that needs to watch this but well, welcome everybody i'm like, glad to be here um we are like nine minutes in so i'll try to be as fast as possible i always like to start spotlight with getting to know our guests and getting to know a little bit about them not in the regular conventional so we start with algebraical questions um before i read out mr falabi's biography so mr falabi um question one what is your favorite time of day and why uh, evening evening that's when, yes because that's when sorry i said yes, why because that's when i settle down to you know to get some work done that's when i have clarity of thoughts yes. oh, interesting Okay. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Follow your passion. Hmm. That was good advice. <laughs> okay, next question. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Which decade do you love the most and why? I think um, this is the decade to be in. Because of all mm -hmm. the technological advancements going on, I mean, the world has changed so much, and um, honestly, there's so much going on, and um, one has to be grateful to be alive at this time. That was a very good answer, ma. So, funny question. Are you a good dancer? Oh, yes. I actually mm -hmm. think I missed my vocation. I wanted, <laughs> to dance for, I wanted to dance for a living. and um, Really? Yes, that's what I've yep. always wanted to do all my life. Dance and sing. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. I'm more writing this question. I'm like, no, I think I know the answer to this. So I was wrong. I was very wrong. <laughs> um, how many languages can you speak? Um, three. Three. Can you use them? Ma? English, Yoruba, and um, French. Even though my French is now watery because I don't really get to. Then I, I don't find people to speak with, yes. Yeah. Okay, so let's see if can do a last question. Um, if you could bring back one fashion trend, what would it be? It would be the um the bell bottoms, the yes. The hipsters. Yes, the, the hipsters <laughs> Okay, that's pretty interesting. It's good to know you a little bit better. So welcome everybody. Um, welcome to Spotlight the ID. Uh, I guess today is Mr. Zafalabi. I'm going to do a quick bio on Mr. Zafalabi. He's a seasoned human resources professional 
with a wealth of experience in managing people issues. And she started her career with John Holt as a trainee manager in the HR department and proceeded to the International Institute of Tropical Agriculture, IITA Ibadan. She has um, her stints at Inlax Computer and Devcom Merchant Bank. She worked in Chevron Nigeria Limited and worked in various seats various roles of increasing responsibility. She proceeded on an early retirement from her role as a JV field HR business partner manager. And she currently manages her own business, Simply African Limited, the creative African um, themed brand for fabrics ready to wear, arts and crafts and more. She continues to take on more active interest in developing and mentoring others. She's married with children and lives in Lagos. It is lovely to have you here, Mr. Dakumadi. I am super excited. Um, so um, we we just read your bio, and I, I should mention to everyone, if you have a question, you can always leave your questions in the comments box. But even apart from that, we encourage you to send out this to people and have and invite people. We have gifts for people that invite people. At the end of today, we'll be sharing. When they come in, they can just say, you are the ones that invited them. And we have gifts from... Um, courtesy of Simply African and even Jojo's own made from our last session. So, so Ma, from your bio, we see that you have a background in human resources. Um, but was this your first intention or something that just fell into your lap? Well, it was um, out of interest. Um, I've always loved dealing with people, loved people issues and all that, and um, when I went in for my master's, I had done a master's in industrial relations and personal management, so it was just um, an area of interest for me. Okay, so you, it wasn't something that fell into your lap. How, how was your career journey? Um, you, you went into HR, and I know you retired in that field, but how, what was your big take-home from working in human resources and having to deal with people? What was the biggest lesson in that regard? Well, the journey was, I mean, no, no journey can ever be 100% smooth. So, of course, there were hitches along the way, but um, it was important for me to learn the lessons on the way and move on. And, um, yes, the biggest lesson for me is always to treat people right, make sure that um, you're disciplined in what you do, and I make sure that... Um, you have integrity and you're honest and uh, you do the right things. No, no shortcuts. So, I know we had a conversation about um, something you were doing on the side also while you were working in time of your career. Can you give us a, a brief um, intro into because some people just do careers mainly, no side hustles or no additional um additional um, job on the other side. But I do know that you still took on some other, even though you had a career in HR, you still took on some other tasks in trying to bring about a more holistic view for where you were trying to reach. Can you give us a, a, an example of a, even an odd job or something that you had to take on to add to your experience as an HR consultant or HR professional? Oh, okay. Um, even before the HR career, I've always taken on odd jobs. I mean, I used to sell secondhand things, and I didn't have a job and all that. So, and I, so for me, I've always had one or two other things going on by the side. That is just me. Can you give us more details I, about that? How did you get into that selling secondhand things? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so when I finished my master's degree and I couldn't get a job, I, I mean, I'm. I'm, I'm kind of restless, so I just couldn't sit around, you know, moaning and groaning that there was no job. So, you know, I, start, I, I started going around um, looking for things I could sell. So, of course, I printed a lovely business card with my name, and uh, I had MSCBSC so that they knew that, okay, she's not off the street. And, so I would go to Ikoi Club, go everywhere, you know, buy things off people, mend them, and resell. And I had a big business going that by the time I actually got a job, honestly, it was a dilemma for me. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to take on the job because my business was growing then. So I think I always, I've always had this business going. Well, I'm really interested. How were you doing your marketing? So you go, you buy the items, you repair, you 
you then go to this place. Did they know they were buying these things from you, or you you package it in a way that you think it is a new idea? What well, was your marketing strategy, really? Well, and I mean, the people I was selling to knew I was selling used items that they were in good condition because if they were not in good condition, I would settle down to mend them, so call somebody to help me. So I was doing a whole lot then, and then I would um, um, put them in the shop. I had a shop then. I put them in the shop, and people would come. So it was yeah, actually shop. A, a, a thrift stop. Sorry, I said you I had, had a shop. A, yes, I had. I had. You know, I had to borrow money from my 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 late my uncle. He's now late, and uh, he encouraged me. And um, we, I got us a shop and. I would buy things off people. I have this lovely card. I would, once I give you the card, and they will look at me and they'll say, "Oh, okay." You buy secondhand things. I'll say, "Yes, I'm interested in buying them off you." And I'll negotiate, buy, and um, mend them if needed, wash whatever I needed to do. I'll do it. And then, and if you had seen me, then you probably you probably will not talk to me because I'll be in a downfall. But I have like six bags on my head, one on my shoulder, and I, <laughs> and that was how I was operating then. And I started having um, big customers. Then I graduated to selling um, electronics. I was selling fridges and washing machines and all that. This yes, was I, I was sure. buy, Yes, yes. So I was selling. So I moved from selling books and clothes and flowers and all that to selling um, fridges and used washing machines and all that. anything that was selling. I was selling and. But was this profit from what you you getting the um, washing machine and all those? Was it the profit from what you had the clothes you had been selling that you was able to yes. add up to that? Oh yeah, so yeah, so so the business was growing. It was because the business was growing, like I, that I could then start buying electronics because I had started with maybe clothing and magazines, flowers, decor, you know, small small items, and then of course the business started growing, and then I was buying electronics. And uh, other stuff. And uh, at that point, I now got a job. So I had to then ask myself, okay, do you want to go to the corporate world or you want to continue your business? Of course, I had to go to the corporate world. Okay, before we come to that, I'm really intrigued in finding out because your your market, first of all, was actually, okay, clothing was clothing. Then you moved to electronics. So you had to be able to come up with a different dynamic marketing approach to be able to sell that as well. Because it's not I the same type. You want to say something? I wasn't, yes, I said I wasn't even thinking marketing then. Honestly, <laughs> all I all I was thinking was I have this. It has to go. I I wasn't thinking marketing strategy. I wasn't thinking anything then. But because people knew me and they knew I had a a thrift store, so they would just come and and there were, of course there was no we, we didn't have the advantage of technology then to even market on Instagram or anything. But it was word of mouth. So the word went out, oh, they, they, she sells this and all that. But people will come in and go and buy. And then shortly after that, I, I, I got a job. Okay. Sorry, I'm still dwelling on this because it's still interesting. <laughs> Your electronics, were they also second hand or they were. Oh, yes. Um... Yes. Everything I was selling them was used. Everything I was selling was used. Did you have staff as well? Or was just. No, you? I, well, I, I I had one staff. I had one staff, a, a storekeeper. She, I mean, she she was uh, a sales girl, sorry. So she was in the in the shop, and I would go out to source the items. Where was this shop? Sorry. Where was this shop? It, it was in um, Ojuelek, area. Not in so the you... main market. Eventually, we moved to the main market, but we started off in one of the inner streets in Tejosho. So you strategically placed your store there. Where were you living, ma? I was living in Surulere and um, I wasn't even thinking of strategical um, positioning or whatever. It was just, I knew the store and that was what was available. They found it for me and moved in there. Honestly, I wasn't even, not, no thought went into getting a store at that point in time. It was just, I knew, I knew the place to put all this, my <laughs> my load yeah, and that came up and and my my stuff and then I I just moved in there. That was it. But what was your thought process in first starting from clothing? Did you think it through or was there something that just came your way and you're like, okay, let me let me just start with this? Did you go looking for it or you just 
just have to upon it because I'm not sure if you went through your thoughts. Okay, which one should I sell? Which one should I sell? Well, what would be the okay, best then, thing to start with? Then, I, I didn't think through it, but I got the idea from, um, from when I visited the U.S., I went to a thrift store, so I thought, ah, okay, I can start a thrift store in Nigeria. I didn't even have a job anyway, so when I came back, I, you know, so that was how the idea came. And I, had, I, didn't, I didn't know what I was going to sell. But as I was approaching people, I was just taking whatever it was they offered me. So if they offered me children's books, I'll take them. I'll sell it it and clean them up and, you know, sell. They offered me clothes, yes. If they offered me flower verses and decor and all that. So I didn't... I didn't sit down to say, oh, I want to sell this particular item. No. I just knew that I was selling used items because I knew there was a market for it. And people came to you. Oh, and yes. Came. I, had, I, I remember um, a, a lawyer that brought his four children to my store one day and said, you need to meet this lady. You know, and then he gave them my card and they were all staring at me. He said, you see, you know, she's not lazy. She's utilizing her time well and all that. And when I eventually got a job, my former boss then would call me and say, tell you, when people came in to say they were looking for a job, to just come and say, tell them your story. And after I told them my story, you tell them, you need to go and look for something to do. <laughs> so I became a storyteller. <laughs> wow. At that point in time. Yeah. Wow. So were you able to pay your uncle off for the money? I never, I, I never paid him off. I never. Well, alone, I, gave <laughs> I never paid him off. But well, you made good use of it. You made no, good yes. use of of the money, really, yes. and even though you didn't pay him off. Sorry yes. about that, because uncle. It was it was from that money that I was also um, um, making photocopies of my CV and you know running around still looking for a job because even at the, you know I still need okay, I still need that corporate experience, you know. So I'll make some money. But why did you think that you still needed a corporate? I want to know what your mindset was in thinking that you still needed a corporate experience. Why? Well, because it was the thinking then. It was the thinking then. And uh, um, so, okay, yeah, you're selling second one thing, but don't you think you still have to go and work for somebody? Don't you think you still have to go and work in an organization? So that was the thinking then. And of course, I, I, I went with that thinking. And I ended okay. up. Okay, so how was this change for you? you? You kept sending your CVs out and then you finally got called. I think the first one was John Hopes, um, yes. if, I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah, so, um, uh -huh. okay. so, when, so I how was, my first, when I got the job at John Hopes, I, I, uh, of course, the first thing I did was to cry because it was also confusing for me. So my business mm. was growing and then a job that I had looked for for two years I didn't find then. So... Mm. But everybody said to me, "Ah, no, John Holt, you must go. Eh, you must go second hand care. John, 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 go and walk. You know, so <laughs> so I like had that to work, right? Yeah, so I, I had to. So it, it was it was an emotional thing for me because I had put in a lot into my business, and I had to see it go, you know, and um, start start my complete journey. Yeah. How did you um? How did you make that change? So what did you do to your, with your business to be able to latch on to the new job? Well, it, uh, when I started my business, I told my boss my story. And that was why he was calling me to, um, to tell my story to other young people then. So I kept the business um, and it wasn't thriving as much because, I, of course, I then didn't have time for it. And so gradually the business just kind of uh, fizzled out. And, and that was it. I wasn't restocking. I couldn't go out to source. I couldn't. So it just died a natural death. Wow. Okay, so now you are in John Holtz and you're working there um, as a human resource um, personnel. How was that for you? Was this, your, was this your dream job? Was it everything you thought it would be? Was it better than doing the thrift selling? Because it was my very first job, it was exciting. And um, I had the responsibility after we had gone through training and all that. I had the responsibility to manage a division, and um, that was exciting for me. And um, I remember what, what, what something that happened um, one day when I was in the office, and people came in and they said, oh, "What is the personal manager?" It's called personal manager then. And I came and I said, "No, no, no. We're not looking for the secretary. It's the personal manager we want to sign." I said, "Here I am. What do you know? How can I help you?" <laughs> Oh, wow. So, you know, so there, that, you know, there, that was the thinking that, oh, 
women cannot hold them positions of authority and um, wow. so we had so it was exciting but i mean being the restless person that i was then i thought i thought that if i didn't move very early in my career i might not be able to have the kind of growth i wanted so after um a few years in John Holt, I knew it was time for me to move. I needed to move to get the kind of experience I wanted and to um, the, the kind of networks I wanted. So I, I, I moved us. There was an opening in um, International Institute of Tropical Agriculture in Ibadan. Being an international institute, I thought, wow, that's where I'm going next. Everybody was like, eh, we are leaving Lagos for Ibadan. I just couldn't even be bothered at that point. I had to go. Yes, that was it for me. That was my next. So I moved on. Okay, um, I want to I want to touch on something that you mentioned um, about um, you being in a position of leadership and people being um, finding hard to accept the fact that fact because you're a woman. Did you have to experience this a number of times? Did you have to prove yourself um, as a woman that you could do the job as well as a man? Uh, well, one thing I've learned along the way is that a woman has to work twice as hard as a man, honestly, to get the same level of recognition. And um, yeah, so you'll find it here and there. It may some, I mean, it may not be so so obvious in some environments, but it's always there. And um, yeah, so of course that meant that you had to you had, you had to really put in a lot of effort as a woman to 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 make people see that yes, you can actually deliver. So I tell every woman that's in a position of authority make your make sure that you are putting in double the efforts so mm. that your effort can be recognized okay this is i think it's a good time to welcome people that have been coming in thank you very much Mr. Fala. good evening everybody welcome for those that's coming in um we have mr Falabi here she's the ceo of simply african limited and we've been asking her a number of questions uh it's been interesting okay so mrs Afalabi, um, this has been really interesting so far. So you moved to Ibadan. Yes. And we are really chasing the dream. Um, oh, you yes. moved to Ibadan. Um, so how was that for you? That change of environment. Now, it was not just a change of job. Now you've gone through um, change of status, change of job. Now you've moved to a new environment because you are trying to attain something. Because one thing I can hear from you is that you always had a goal and you took actions in line with uh -huh. those goals. So how was um, going to Ibadan for you? Well, you it, was a, it was a new thing for me. And, um, but it was also interesting. It was exciting because I was in an international institute. And of course, that gave me a lot of exposure. And, uh, but I knew I wasn't going to stay too long there. Actually, I had five jobs in five years. I was just, you know, accepting offers here and there because I knew I had to move very early in my career. So, um, ITA was good for me. I learned everything that I needed to learn, and then it was time to move on again. So I, I knew I had to go back to Lagos at that point in time. Otherwise, I was going to miss out from everything that was happening in the corporate world in Lagos. What did you think you were going to miss? What What specifically was it that you thought you were going to miss out on? You know, Ibadan um, didn't have too many organizations. So IIT was like the, the creme de la creme in Ibadan. So if I had worked in IIT, where else was I going to work in Ibadan anyway? Mm. So I thought, well, I needed to get back into Lagos, into those big organizations and um, move on with my career. Otherwise, I was going to get stuck in Ibadan. So I had to make an element again. Okay. Because you remember that if you have a question, you can always drop your question here for um, Safalabi and we'll take your questions. Please. So you moved back to Lagos and was this still a change of career or it was still the same career but a change of um, employer? So it was a change of employer and a different part of the, you know, HR is a very broad field. And uh, so there, there are different aspects to, to HR. So when I moved to Lagos, I moved into um, a computer company. And whilst I was there, I got an offer from a bank. I moved on. And whilst I was in the bank, I got an offer from um, the oil industry. So, of course, I, I just had to go. Yeah, well, I mean, we're all cake. 
there are yes so i was i had five jobs in five years <laughs> what was the implication of what was the implication of this did it mean that your salary kept going up did it did it add to what they were offering you actually actually when i moved to the oil company i took a pay cut i okay. took a pay cut but i knew that that was a more stable environment for me so so you actually make it strategic strategic um, yes that that was, that was a strategic decision for me yes i took a pay cut but i knew that that was a more um stable environment and that was where i really wanted to go when i got to the oil oil industry i knew okay now you are not going anywhere just stabilize here you will build your career and that was all happened so no more movements at that point okay so someone's asking a question this is um Shane Hart, were you married at the time? I was going to ask this, so she just asked this. Were you married at the time? No, I wasn't. No. So that so it was easy for me to. So is it, it was just me and me alone. So it was easy for me to just keep moving. Yes. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So I want to know with this move that you made um, up to when you finally got your last job in the oil company. Um, what would you say was the peak of your career? What, what when did you know that you had achieved what you okay. wanted to achieve? Well, I'm trying to think if there was um, any specific point in time, but there were times when I felt that, okay, I had, I had um, contributed sufficiently. And um, I guess for me, that was when I, when I started moving, um, when I had moved maybe to a supervisory role in the oil industry in the, in the, in, 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 at Chevron. So I, I became a supervisor, and a supervisor is a big job, and... Then, when I became a manager, I thought, ah, okay, yeah, so at any point in time now, you're free, you can leave. So, <laughs> so I guess that's it, yeah. So it was basically about contributing to your vision and knowing that you've actually brought your own quota to what was happening in that environment. And that was very important for you to yes. know that you were done. Yes, because, I mean, I had mentored people, I had worked with people, I had also learned from others, from from my seniors, I had learned, and um, I had also transferred the knowledge. I had um, um, brought in my ideas. I had contributed in terms of um, of the profession, even in the industry, uh, because in the in the oil industry there was a lot of networking, a lot of projects. So I had done quite a bit in the industry in terms of collaborating with other colleagues from oil from other oil companies, and um, yes, so there was a lot going on then and. Uh, when I became a manager, uh, yes, I knew I had I had done enough, but of course it wasn't time for me to leave then. But so it was then uh, just uh, helping other people to understand what the issues were, helping other people to grow as well. Okay, um, and there's a question, but I'm going to pause um, with taking that because um, I, I want to make sure that we have a flow. Okay, so. You you later on decided to retire from your position, but before your retirement, I'm wondering was there was there were there any tricks? Just just call them tricks that you were privy to that actually helped your rise in your career. Did you know something that you felt like put you at an advantage that you were practicing that made it easy for you to rise as high as you wanted to? That somebody could actually also apply in their own career journey? Well, I guess for me, the, the main thing is uh, to be committed to what you're doing and uh, to, do, to, to, to always put in your best. I'm a very... Um, I, I don't know how to describe... Um, I'm looking for a particular word now. I'm very detailed. I love to... So a lot of detail for me, a lot of hard work, a lot of making sure that things are right, and also holding other people's hands along the way. Yeah, so to grow in any organization, you have to, of course, understand what the business is about, understand what you are also contributing in terms of um, your, your, your area, of um, um, your, your profession in the, in the organization. Then also you have to also reach out to other people, you know, um, join um, groups to work on projects, just make yourself visible and take on assignments as they came and 
that was it. So I okay. think I done everything that I needed to do at that point in time when I decided to retire. Interesting. This is interesting. Um, so I, I see a question, um, and I'll ask it shortly. Um, so one. One one thing I'm trying to find out here, you you said to have an early retirement. Um, upon retirement, was your first thought? What was your first thought, or what, what were the thoughts leading, thought leading to you actually deciding to retire to take an early retirement? Okay, so my early taking an early, early retirement was very deliberate for me. Um, I was working in Scrabbles on a 2028 rotation, which meant that I would be at work for 28 days and then come home for 28 days. And uh, my husband was working in Abuja and the children were with my sister. So it was like, this cannot be a life. I mean, if I continue that way, something was going to happen. And um, so when the opportunity came for me to say, this is enough. Okay, so now you are retired and you want to start a business. What was the first business you tried? Was well, simply every time your first business that you tried? What was the first business you tried to do immediately um, after retirement? Did you even finish? Did you even retire first before starting, or you were doing yes. it side by side? So I, okay. I, I was going to say that simply African has always been part of me. Okay. Uh, so so actually that's also what um, that also gave me confidence to retire because I knew there was something I was going to retire into. So um, Simply Africa had always been there. I just um, had it as something that I could always go back to. So I just kept it at a level where I could just um, sustain. You know, it wasn't profitable or anything, but it was something that um, I just wanted to have and to keep. I know that okay, this is for me. Anytime I'm ready, I'll go to it. So when I retired, of course, naturally, it was just to retire to Simply African and to go and grow it at that point in time. So I didn't okay. have to think about what to do. It was, it was waiting. But why, why was it Simply African you stayed at the time before you retired? What was your thought process in thinking, okay, this is the line I wanted to go? Because for some people, sometimes it's unclear about where exactly to go. Why was that your choice? What convictions did you come to to come to the fact that okay, this is what I choose to do? Okay, so Saint Africa was a hobby. Mm. My business grew out of a hobby. Mm. I love to. I love it. anybody that knows me knows that I, I love to travel. I really mm. love to travel. So I'll travel to the west coast of Africa, Ghana, um, wherever, Togo, Kotonou, anywhere, and I'll pick up lovely pieces of item, be clothing or decor, whatever. And I realized that people were interested in taking them off me. Mm. So initially, it was like, okay, you can have it. Okay, you can have it. But then one day I asked somebody, would you like to pay for it? And she said, well, I was like, oh, yes. And I thought, oh, okay, now I have a business. If somebody's ready oh, wow. to pay, that means other, other people will be ready to pay. And that was how my business started. So I started offering things to people. Okay, I have this. I brought this on Kotonu. Do you want how much I'll put a price on it. I brought this from Togo. I saw this somewhere. I went to Shogu and I saw this. You know, so all over I had items. Anywhere I go, I always think of something. So um, that was how the business started. I never thought, I, I did not sit down to say, oh, I'm going to start this business. It was just a hobby that eventually became business. Now, it's just something that grew. And I, I, I love that the fact that you said it's a hobby. Um, I'm going to ask a question I see here. Um, so, um, Abidem is asking, how were you able to manage being a working mom and managing your own business at the same time? Uh, and there's another question here. All the while you are in corporate world, did you ever consider starting off your thrift store again? It's actually a very interesting question. So, it will take um, the first one. Were you able to manage being a working mom and managing your own business at the same time? How were you able okay. to manage that? So, you know, I had mentioned that the business was not really a business per se. It wasn't, um, I wasn't putting in <laughs> a lot of effort into it at all. It was just something I had that I knew that when I, whenever I was ready, I would go into. So I didn't put in a lot of effort. So it wasn't demanding on me at all. 
what was demanding was actually the job itself demanding on me mm. as a home but i mean there were ways that one could cope and manage all that then in terms of starting off another food store no i didn't even think of going back to my food store i thought i had moved on from the food store and there was mm. no going back i had to do some other things I think I want to expand more on on the question of your um, food store because um, a lot of times you can be in a phase where something actually did work at one point in your life. Something actually did work, and when you're trying to move on to something, they're wondering should you go back to that thing that worked before or what should I do? And it's a it's probably a confusing place for people to be in because after all, the thing worked. So the question is, how do you know when to let sleeping dogs lie? Or if you should pick it up again, why didn't you go back to it? Because I think that that's my own. That's why I wonder. What's your thought process? Why didn't you go back to it? Because it worked before, so you wouldn't have doubted that if you tried it again, it would have worked. But you moved on to something else. What made you decide that? Okay, let me do something else. Not what had actually been successful in the past. Okay, I didn't um, give it too much thought, really. You know, I had said that the thrift store was something I did because I didn't have a job then, and then it worked. Mm. So when I got a job, I just my mind didn't even go back to having <laughs> a thrift store, honestly. And the effort I put into that thrift store was a lot then, because mm. I had to go. Sometimes I'll go from house to house picking up stuff. I'll be calling people. Do you have things you want to throw away? Can I see them? Can I see if there's anything I can? So it was a lot of work, and thrift stores were not they were, were they were not common there. Now I see a lot of it on Instagram, and I just smile. I'm like, ah, this was the business we were doing, you know. It wasn't really common then, mm. so I did, I just didn't think that I wanted to do that again. Going from house to house, packing things, mending, sewing. I I just thought I had moved on, and that was. It. But what principles did you learn from that thrift store that helped you in your new business? No. Okay, so nothing is too small. You never despise small beginnings. Um, mm. I'm a very down to earth person. I don't, um, you know, I'm not high. I'm mighty. I do so anything, anything that I need to do to keep life going, I do in terms of hard work. So that was what I needed to do at that point in my life for survival, mm. and I did it. And mm. that that phase is gone in my life, and. I had moved on to something else. But the lesson there is that anything your hands find to do, do it well. And that was why when I started the thrift store, I decided it was strategic. I, went, I printed a lovely card that had my name, BSEMS, everything, you know. So when people saw my, when I went to Ikoi, I wasn't a member of Ikoi Club then, but I'll stand by the gates and I'll show them the card. And then they'll allow me in. And then I remember one day the manager said, to me, You have the master's degree and you are looking for second hand things all over the place. <laughs> you know? So for me, I mean, that, 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 that gave me the, the access. So I had access because I had thought it through and I had done it well. I wasn't just doing it in a, in a um, way shabby that was way. Like, yeah, in a shabby way. I thought through what I was doing. I knew I had to print a card. I knew I had to do this. I knew I had to get a store so people could come in to see me. I knew I had to, you know. So, anything you, your, your, your hands find to do, do it well. Because you don't know where it will land. Oh. Were there connections you made during that time that proved beneficial to your business in the future? Did you meet anybody at that time that was a customer or, you know, became a supplier that down the line you had to still do business with them? Oh, no. No, no I didn't. You know, because I mean, this was um, like an individual thing. I would go to people. So if I had access to Ikoiko, about copy phone numbers, call them up, I'd, I'd go to people's houses to pick up stuff. So they were not really suppliers per se. I was the one chasing them for used items and all. And I didn't have any um, personal relationships. It was just strictly business. And I didn't even. So after that phase of my business, I didn't um, go back to anyone of them. Okay, so, uh, and I'm wondering, since that time, and um, you were able to keep going um, and rising your career, have you suffered any setback? 
the result of things um, that just did not piece themselves together around you. As I've used server any service personally or in your business, and if yes, um, how were you able to navigate out of that situation? Well, setbacks are part of life, and um, yes, I suffered um, setbacks maybe in my career and in my not necessarily my business, but at some point in time, maybe things were not going as I had expected they would go, but that was not a distraction for me because my policy has always been whatever you're doing, just keep doing it and do it well. So what we may call feedback may not necessarily be feedbacks per se because maybe they were just for me to learn lessons and once you learn the lessons you're supposed to learn, you move on. The important thing is that you must not um, go through a situation without identifying the lesson that you're supposed to learn from so you learn your lessons, you move on. Setbacks are always part of life. But you must learn the lessons you are meant to learn. Okay. Um, um, I, in these times, these COVID times, one of, one of our realities has been um, embracing technology. I mean, we're on a technological platform. Um, and I don't think that um, a lot would have explored all these means. Because hey, it was okay, it was good, it was an option. But now it's almost like it's a necessity um, in embracing um, technology to do whatever you're trying to do, your business, your personal life, and trying to um, affect uh, as much influence in, with your work. Um, can you speak to us about how you've been able to leverage on technology for your business? And first of all, have you, let me not assume, because I know you have, I don't want to assume, have you embraced the idea of technology and the importance of technology um, with what you have to achieve with your business? Okay. Thank you. So, um, technology is um, the modern day reality. Yes, we've embraced it to some extent, maybe not um, fully to the extent that we want it. We're working on a lot of stuff right now as we speak. We're working on setting up our online stores right now as we speak. But we've had to do a lot, a few things. I mean, personally, I've attended a few um, webinars and all that online. Um, at Simply African, we have an annual event called the Women's Breakfast Meeting. This is where we bring women together to come and talk about topical issues, just you know, learn and share from one another. And um, for the first time, we had it online this um, this year because of COVID. And of course, we had a lot more women that we normally would have had in class anyway. And we also had three people calling in from London. So for me, it was like, oh, wow, this is an eye-opener for what technology can do for the business. Yeah, so we're embracing technology by the day. We're working on a lot of stuff right now. We are currently um, upgrading our websites. And uh, yes, a lot of stuff going on. We're not where we're supposed to be, but we're on the right track. Okay, um, I, I do know that it's a mindset that you you you, you embrace a lot because I do you have opened yourself up to learning more. You talked about um, attending some webinars, and I don't you even attended a training that I had um, about websites and website training. I know that it's something that you um, you don't see as evil, but you see it as a tool in helping your business. But a number of people are probably still struggling with the idea of technology and the use or the importance of technology, or even. Um, where to start for is that a conversation that still should be happening? I mean, in the old days, they would say then television was the devil, but um, I do know that <laughs> I do know that these things are helping to enhance one way or the other. So, someone that is doubting or not um, unsure or not even clear on how to go about it, wh what would you suggest? How were you able to come to your own realizations, and what would you suggest that they should be doing in this time? to open up their minds to embracing technology. Okay. So you just said the word, open up their minds. Because um, <laughs> really, it's just about opening up your mind, really. I know that the, the, the group that will be most affected will be the, the, the boomers. They're the ones that are the least tech savvy. And, um, but it's important that we all embrace technology. Because really, there's no going back to where we were before COVID. It's a different world we're in now. And if we don't embrace technology, we might not be able to achieve as much as uh, we would love to. I mean, personally, I've had to do things that 
because I think I was born a fighter, really. I, I must, <laughs> I, I struggle. I look, I, I must find the solution. I don't give up. That's me. So there are things that I'll be struggling with. I can sit down there for five hours online. I'm like, I know this thing, I must conquer it. I, this thing cannot conquer me, you know? So I think that everybody should have that approach. And if you need help, always call for help. I have a lot of people that I call, you know, and say, please come and show me this, uh, you know, what's this new thing? You know, show me how to do it and all that. So we should not be um, afraid to ask for help. It's actually, uh, it puts you in a position of strength. It's not a weakness at all to ask for help. It actually shows that you're strong emotionally and all that to ask for help. So if you need to ask for help for, and to get yourself in the, in the new era of technology, please do so. But it's something that must be done. Okay, um, somebody asked a question. Someone um, dropped a question, and I'm, I'm going to ask it a bit off um, in trajectory of what we're saying. But let's not ask me a question. Like, when do you know? When do you know when it is time to um, move on from something or keep chasing a dream? So you've been you've been chasing a dream for a while, and it's just not working. Um, do you, it's like do you continue to feed that? Do you try different ways to? see how you can resuscitate it, make it live, make it stand, or do you just move on to other things? When do you know when to draw the line? Oh. Well, when things are not working, and you're giving it your best shot, you tried everything you need to do, you um, search for help, you read all you can read, you know, then maybe you know that, okay, maybe I need to move on to, to, to something else. But you don't give up immediately. You don't give up at the beginning. You must try everything you need to, you know, every everything that you need to try, you try, you pray, you seek help, you look for um, credible allies who can help you, you know, navigate your way around. And if it's not working, then you, you have to ask yourself, okay, do I need to modify this? Is there something I need to do differently? So that, that's how it goes. Thank you very much. I think you just said a number of people free from... <laughs> from a lot of things. Um, last question before we go, because I see we have like five minutes. Last question, what advice um, would you have on, uh, would you have for us able to leverage technology? Um, sorry about that, I got it for. Uh, what advice do you have for us to be able to leverage technology across the nation? Because right now you find that um, people are coming into it at different stages, but there's a way that this merge can be used for a greater good. I mean, a lot of people need to learn, a lot of people are developing, but at the same time, I do know that the lot of experience that you've gotten from working in all other um, industries cannot be bought and cannot be gotten overnight. But that's um, added with um, the um, enthusiasm, like the um let's say generation z or generation y has in building these technology platforms would actually go a long way in creating a lot of change so um what advice do you have for us to be able to make uh, these avenues possible for this merge to happen for us to see a new change in um the dynamics of things the way things are playing out now Well, I'll still go back to um, what I've said before about um, everybody being open about learning. So it's about continuous learning. It's about um, the ability to adapt. So yes, at this current time with technology and all that, the greatest skill you need now is the skill of adaptability. Mm. And what does that mean? It means that you need to move from where you are to where to and you take some steps. So how do you take those steps? You learn, you inquire, you know. You seek for help, and um, you make sure that you are not operating alone. So one thing I did mm. very well is that I work with a lot of young people. Mm. So I, I ask them, you know, so of course, can you show me this? Can you show me that? Because all gener I mean, various uh, mem members, members of various generations have to come together to make things work. So if you think that oh, you are just going to limit yourself to your own, um, to, to members of your own generation, you're going to be missing a lot. And also, if young people think that, oh, they can do it all alone, mm. and oh, we're the, we're the technology um, 
gurus and we're going to go it all alone. They'll be losing a lot. So um, there has to be that um, coming together of members of um, different generations. So it's like hand-holding. So you're hand-holding me, I'm, I'm hand-holding you. So I work with young people. Show me this, show me that. You know, I'm not afraid to learn and I'm not afraid to ask. And also, that way, yes, we can all um, leverage technology. We can all um, work together, learn from one another. And that's, that, that, that's the way to go. Thank you very much, Mr. Fulabi. It has been quite insightful. We have about two minutes left. If you have any more questions, you can put it up. But I just wanted to announce um, before we go, um, you can always listen to previous episodes of Spotlight with ID on our website, www.ibikotsumbi.com. Um, but thank you again, Mrs. Afalabi. This has been extremely, so extremely insightful. Um, all the lessons that you've actually helped us to understand today have been wonderful. This is what we call the joining of generations with technology and it's been a blessing to have you on. Thank you very much, Ma. Thank you so much. In the absence of that, is there anybody here? Thank you, Ma, for coming. Is there anybody here that was invited by anybody? Please let us know so that we can um, so we can announce you as a winner of the gift. If not, we'll be ending the session right now. Please get your friends and family to watch the session. Don't be going off in a few um, seconds. Please get your friends and family to watch the session. There's a lot of wisdom and insights that we can all be learning from these things. I always like to say that you know, God puts wisdom in people's mouths for us to hear. That's how we get to, um, get these answers sometimes. And this is going to be up on our IGTV um, for a period of two weeks. If not, you can watch it on our, listen to it on our website as a podcast at www.ibgutumbi.com. Thank you everybody for coming. Um, next week, we're going to still have an amazing guest. Um, please stay tuned. And if you're not following our page, please follow our page at Spotlight with ID. Uh, we try to show people that are shining their lights and being relevant um, in all that they've chosen to do and walking the path of purpose. Thank you, Mr. Falabi. I am super grateful to have you here. Stories you. was very intriguing. I didn't know the time had gone. I, I couldn't take some questions. <laughs> but thank you so much. It was thoroughly, it was thoroughly refreshing. Thank you very much. Thank and thank you, you everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for coming. And good night.